1: this is Star Talk Cosmic Queries Edition. Neil deGrasse Tyson here, your personal astrophysicist. I got with me my co-host, Chuck. Nice,
2: Chuck. Hey, Neil. How's it
1: going? Welcome back on for, huh? for another episode of Cosmic Queries.
2: Yes. Ooh, Inquiring is... Minds Want to Know.
1: Uh-huh. <laughs> and the title of this one is. Why do people believe conspiracies? Why do they want to believe conspiracies? That's what we really should call Oh, do we this. need a whole
2: episode for that? Because I could clear, no, I think I could clear we it do. up for you right now, okay? <laughs> <laughs> it's called stupid. They're what stupid. They're stupid, stupid people. We live in okay, a nation of stupid Fine. people. Thank you. Good night. <laughs> All right. Anyway, we so. have,
1: I guess, uh, one of the leading, if there was a, patron saint of skeptics. Yes. It would be this man, uh, Michael Schurr. Michael, welcome back to Star Talk. Nice yes. to see you
3: guys again. Oh, boy. Yes. That's yeah, right. it's a good start. Well, right. you know, if the intelligence is distributed in a bell curve, by definition, half of them are below the mean. So, yeah. <laughs> you may yeah. be right, Chuck. No, no, yeah, I'm, except so for I'm Lake gone.
1: where everyone's, <laughs> everyone's above, above normal, normal yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's very funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, let me just get a little of your your bio out here. Founding Publisher of Skeptic Magazine. Yeah. And you've got your own uh, podcast, The Michael Shermer Show. I've been on multiple times. Thanks for inviting me. Uh, you're, a, you're a presidential fellow at Chapman University. Where is Chapman University?
3: Orange. Anaheim. Southern California. At Anaheim. Okay.
1: Mm, nice. And you have degrees in psychology, experimental psychology, mm-hmm. and in the history of science. Mm-hmm. Very important topic there, history of science. Cool. And you got a book this fall uh, titled Conspiracy... Colin, why the rational believe the irrational? You see, good thing Chuck didn't write that book because yeah, he yeah. just
2: said, you ain't rational right. if you believe it. <laughs> my, my my book would have been called Conspiracy. What's up, dumbass? Oh, there you go. Oh, boy. All right, so, so, so Michael. I love Michael's response. Oh, boy. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, it's going to be a long show. (laughs) (laughs) It's going to be a long show. So, so,
1: you are deep in, in this topic your whole life. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's a career. You're a career skeptic. And, I just want to just, enter on on common ground here with you there are people who might say uh i don't believe the claims of vaccines because i'm a skeptic Mm -hmm. right so at what point do you say no you're not a skeptic you're actually ignoring evidence at what point because they might think that they're, they're trained to be skeptical of everything they hear how do you how do you help those people
3: Right, that's the rub because nobody thinks that they are believing nonsense. No one joins a cult. You know, people join groups that they think are good. You know, no one in the history of the world has ever self-identified as a pseudo-scientist going down to their pseudo-labs to collect (laughs) pseudo-facts to support their pseudo-theories, right? They think they're onto something. And so the question is, what does it mean to be a skeptic? Really, it's following the evidence. And when there's enough evidence to kind of tip the scales into belief, with a small b in the truth, with a small t, when there's a consensus, you can say, "Yeah, okay, so it's I'll accept it as provisionally true. I'll be willing to change my mind if the evidence changes, but for now, I accept the Big Bang theory of, uh, and the theory of evolution, the germ theory of disease, global warming is real, vaccines do not cause autism, uh, you know, and 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 are helpful for public health and so on." So. Uh, none of these are based on arguments from authority. It's that I know the scientific process works in a way that scientists themselves are competitive and they push it each other uh, to higher levels of evidentiary standards. And so, by the time it trickles down to me, I'm not a climate scientist, but you know, if most climate scientists tell me that you know global warming is human caused and real, it's reasonable to accept it because uh, of all the competitive. Uh, push and pull in the process to get there in the first place, right? So in the case of conspiracies, it's, it's a little bit different because um, conspiracy theories are ideas about conspiracies, which is mm. defined as two or more people plotting in secret to gain an unfair, illegal, or immoral advantage over somebody else or some other group. And that happens all the time. Right, mm-hmm. so it's not unreasonable for people to think I, I I'm suspicious that something might be up, because it happens often enough in the real world. Corporate America, c- corporations, you know, Absolutely. cheat to to yeah. uh, dodge the regulatory state or government or agencies t- do
2: things behind our backs yeah, they you, yeah, and right. oh, so they don't tell you. and there it is. That's right. it, so it, wait, it's no, a conspiracy. That, that brings up a a, a very um, <clears throat> interesting question for me. Okay conspiracies are legitimate as a, as conspiracies, but if they are done in secret, then how is it that you're, how can you convince somebody uh, that the secret has been exposed or that there was no secret to begin with?
3: <laughs> right, well, so you, you do have to have evidence. Uh, so not okay. all conspiracy theories are equal which ones have evidence or not? And what would you predict for evidence? So, for example, um, if uh, uh, WikiLeaks showed, you know, millions and millions of classified documents leaked to the public. Not one mention of 9/11 as an inside job. Not one mention of the uh hoaxed moon landing and where it was filmed and and yes. you know no memos about that or you know or, or just take your pick. You would expect in a leakage like that. Like with the Pentagon papers we found out all kinds right. of things that the government was lying about, but none of them had to do with the moon landing or anything like that, it was like they lied about the Vietnam War. Well, okay, that's not exactly shocking. Governments do lie to their citizens, right? Uh, but you would predict if something, one of these other conspiracy theories that are popular were true, there would be some evidence for it in a leakage like that.
1: There you go. So, so Michael, in your book, you, you, you speak passionately. Uh, well, you speak passionately in many places. But the one that, that struck me was uh, when you commented about the reaction of people to your uh, 9-11 analysis that appeared in Scientific American magazine. I mean, Scientific American is as as pedigreed a place as you'd ever find the writings of science. And could you just tell us a little bit about people's reaction to you? Mm,
3: right. So there I, I wrote about this, one of the little memes going around that, uh, you know, uh, that steel melts at... Twenty seven hundred degrees, I think it is, and the uh, jet fuel only burns at I eighteen hundred degrees. Therefore, no melting steel, no collapsed buildings. They must have used uh, internal explosive devices. You know, demolition, intentional demolition. Who 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 did this? It must have been the Bush administration. And and you're off and running. Anyway, I just pointed out. I called that Fahrenheit two seven seven seven. You don't have to actually <laughs> melt steel all it's the sealed. way, right. right? You only have it to weaken have to it.
2: Become a liquid.
3: <laughs> it doesn't have to be a liquid. It, it right. doesn't have
2: to be a liquid. It only has As to be— As blacksmiths know, right. it only has they to don't be, melt the horseshoe only to, to reshape be, right. it, right? It just has to become malleable so that no longer can support the weight of the structure itself. Yeah. That's it. Don't
3: melt horseshoes. They, right. That's right. Right. <laughs> right. And those buildings are heavy. I mean, they're, yeah, each right. floor is really heavy, right? So— and, and from there, then, it's, it's actually a nice test case of how you know if a conspiracy theory is likely to be true or false. How many elements would have to be involved come together just perfectly in the in perfect coordination for it to happen how many people would have to be involved you know to plant explosive devices in a building you have to break through the drywall and wrap this uh, structural support beams in in these explosive devices there must have been hundreds of them in each of the two buildings two of the most secure buildings in the entire world after the al-qaeda tried to bomb it in 93 right so how did they get in there oh well they were there under the pretense of elevator repair Oh, elevator repair. Then why are they nowhere near the elevators planning these explosive devices, right? And also they would have had to know exactly which floors that the planes were going to hit ahead of time to put the explosive devices on those floors because that's where the the buildings collapsed. This collapse started at those floors at an angle. Michael, you're you're giving rational facts, right? Why why are they even relevant?
1: And And, and by the way,
2: here's the most (laughs) rational fact. It was the Bush administration. <laughs> Come
3: on. Yes, right. So, And the people that believe this, by the way, also think this is the most incompetent um, presidential administration we've ever had. And somehow That's they pulled right. off the most sophisticated conspiracy of all time, right? Exactly. And no one that was involved wants to go on 60 Minutes and, and write a tell-all book uh, or somebody that knows somebody uh, that was involved in this, and not be, one and become person. In, and become
1: wealthy, independently wealthy, thenceforth, right, right.
3: for having done so. Right. Yeah. Well,
1: well right, let's let's get to our questions, because we know, I, okay. I want to ask questions that I know we got people who who are asking. So, Chuck, what do you have lined up?
2: All right. So this question. for Michael here. This first question. Michael, he looks all comfortable in his chair there. <laughs> he looks my captain's chair. He looks great. <laughs> I mean, that's a good chair. <laughs>
1: let's 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 see if we can destabilize his chair with these questions. Okay, okay, go.
2: So this first question is from a super fan named Chuck Nice. He says. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> Chuck, uh, are these Patreon members and are you still not a Patreon
2: member? I'll, we don't get to ask questions Oh, that's right Patreon Okay, member. I do have a question mm-hmm. I want to ask It's, it's a personal question for, uh, for Michael but I'll, I'll get to our Patreon members first Here we go Kevin yes. the Kevin DeSemoye says uh, Do most conspiracy theories get conjured up because of Hollywood films or is it more the mistrust of government or is it a combination of the two?
3: Mm. Well, it's, it's a combination of the two and many other factors as well. Politics plays a, a, a role. But in general, if a film comes out that's very popular, like JFK in 91, uh, Oliver Stone's the film. Oliver
1: Stone Yeah, I mean, it's, it yeah. was a well-made yeah.
3: film. I mean, it's compelling. You know, back into to the left, back into the left. Kevin Costner's repeating this and it's like, oh my God, he must have got shot from the front, right? And uh, until you dissect the film and you, you, you pull out all the mistakes and errors and exaggerations and incorrect uh, inferences and so on. There's really not much there. But yeah, so films drive it, uh, make it popular for a while. I mean, there were some actual studies done after JFK was released in which the percentage of people that suspected the government or somebody was involved besides Lee Harvey Oswald went way up. It's like, it was, it's always been above 50% since the Warren report um, this is kind of the mother of all conspiracy theories. It never dips below fifty percent, but after the film, it got bumped up. So, you know, I have a whole chapter on that <laughs> because that it's one everyone's so interested in. There's a whole industry of books and films about it. And uh, but, the yeah, fact- but, Michael, you commented that
1: that uh, World War One began in a bit of a uh, had some conspiracy roots to it, and that's before we have po- modern media, even before films, started. right? Right. So yeah. So what? What? How? There must be something deeper within us that's not so much slave to media that we still want to make mm. this happen.
3: Right. Because conspiracy theories go all the way back to ancient Rome. Right. The the plot to 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 kill Caesar and so forth. That, or when or when Rome burned, there were conspiracy theories about uh, you know Nero made it happen on purpose. My hop or he let it happen on purpose. ly hop. Right. This is a very old idea even uh you know Roosevelt was accused of letting Pearl Harbor uh right. be bombed or making oh, it right. happen on that's, purpose. Right. That's, a, that's just to get of...
1: us into the war yeah right. just to get exactly. us into the war well cuz why else line up the ships that way yes. to, yeah. like like sitting ducks for their bombers right
2: cuz if every right. if everybody if if there's one thing we all know about America is we will resist getting into a war at all costs <laughs> well <laughs> <laughs> see i call this I call this instead of my hop
3: or, or lie hop, I call this cow hop, capitalized okay. on what happened on purpose, right? So it's right. not that Bush <laughs> orchestrated 9 11 or let 9 11 happen, but he certainly right. capitalized on it to, to, right. to yeah. follow his own agenda, as did Roosevelt, Excellent. who Excellent. wanted to get the United States into the war to support Great Britain against Germany, couldn't do it without some uh, event, and that was the event. So the politicians do do that, I'll, you know, and, and they do so in secret often, you know, and and I have old chapters on, all the shenanigans the CIA has been up to in the 50s, 60s, and 70s. You know, MK ultra you know, dosing U.S. citizens with LSD and other mind-control right. drugs because we didn't want to fall behind the Russians and the Chinese and the North Koreans in mind-control technology. Mm. Or, you know, planting um, spies in social justice organizations like AIM, the American Indian movement, feminist movements. Well, are you telling uh, me we fell behind in a mind-control gap? That was the, that was, Is that what you're this saying? exactly like there was a missile gap <laughs> There was a fear that we're behind the Russians on mind control. There's a mind control gap. Yeah, but
2: it turns yeah. out the Russians were making us think that we were behind all along. <laughs> Don't get meta on me now, Chuck. That's <laughs> that's actually
3: a thing, Chuck. That's uh you know a, an agent of disinformation. You know they're purposely uh, you know leaking information that's false that sends us down the wrong track. UFOs are subject to that. You know that uh, there's a lot of people that think that. The government is very amused by all the talk of UAPs and UFOs because it distracts the public
2: from what they're really doing, whatever that may be. Right, right, right. Wow. God. All right, here we go. This is uh, Stephen Somers. Uh, Stephen says, greetings, stargazers. Uh, Please, what are the top three cognitive biases that prevent intelligent people from making intelligent choices? Yeah, so this is this is the core of the subtitle
1: of your book, where you make the assumption, contrary to Chuck's book, that he hasn't written. yet. <laughs> Michael, you you are you are granting the person the the power of rational thought, and then posing the question: How does a rational person believe in such a thing? So, so where is the, where does the rationality get driven off the cliff?
3: Mm-hmm. Well, in fact, back to where we started with Chuck's comment about intelligence. In fact, intelligent people are really good at rationalizing beliefs that they hold for non-intelligent reasons. That is to say, most of us believe all sorts of things that we didn't arrive at through evidence and rationality. And smart people are really good at that. The confirmation bias, only seeking confirming evidence for what you already believe and ignoring the disconfirming evidence. The hindsight bias after something happens. It seems obvious why it, it happened and we should have known it happened, like the... Uh, August ninth, 2001, uh, memo from Condoleezza Rice, you know, uh, uh, Al-Qaeda to strike U.S. on U.S. soil. How come the Bush administration didn't do anything about that? Well, because there were 10,000 pieces of intel every week about what Al Qaeda right. was up to. And, you know, mm-hmm. only after the fact do we go, oh, well, that's the one. We should have known that that oh, by memo— me, I,
1: Let me add, you know this, but I just want to add because I, I come from the universe here, that uh, for the shuttle— Disasters, mm, right? right. The, the you once you have the disaster, you then look and look. find the memo from an engineer about saying the O-ring. they shouldn't launch for those reasons. Right. Mm-hmm. And for successful launches, you don't engage in that same search Mm. where you might find as many or possibly even more memos that give just the same kind of warning. So It's it's
2: very simple. It happens to everybody uh, probably on a daily basis. Let's just say, for instance, you're about to drive to work and you say, should I take Elm Street or should I take Pine Street? And because you had that thought of the choice between Elm and Pine, you get on Pine Street, it's backed up. You automatically say to yourself, I knew I should have taken Elm Street. You say that. I knew I should have taken Elm Street. Something told me to take Elm Street. No, what you did was you equally weighed both and decided on one. But in hindsight, the other seems like it was your choice because otherwise, you know, you're just stupid. (laughs) <laughs> exactly right. Right, so hindsight bias sounds pretty pernicious,
1: but the, the the questioner asked, is there a third bias that we'd put at the top of this list? Oh,
3: well, just, and, I mean, just riff on that one more time because, um, and by the way, Chuck, uh, Elm Street was one of the streets that the Kennedy, uh, that JFK turned off of onto, uh, into the Dealey Plaza. So, interesting you picked that one, huh? Mm-hmm. I wonder if that was well, random. I he won. should have turned on Oak Street instead <laughs> <that>? of <laughs> Elm Street. Yeah, okay. Yeah, right. exactly. Actually, no. it, oh! crazy. Actually,
1: Mike, Michael, before we get you, your third bias and before you flush out what you just said we're going to take a quick break and when we come back more with michael shermer he's got a new book out on conspiracy theories and why rational people might think irrationally about them uh, we'll be right back on
4: start talk sleep
2: grocery shopping themselves. Just a few things working moms seldom have time for. And during tax season, you can add
0: Paddleboard in the crystal clear waters of one of Carnival's exclusive destinations, Half Moon Quay in the Bahamas. Take an ATV ride through the jungle or just relax on white sandy Caribbean beaches. The fun continues on ship from a ride on the Bolt roller coaster to a moment of pure bliss at the Cloud Nine Spa. Kick off the evening with a craft cocktail at any of Carnival's dazzling bars and lounges. And take your pick of restaurants from surf and turf to family-style Italian. Then settle in for an evening of live entertainment. Whatever your vibe is, you'll come home with plenty of stories to tell. So pack those bags. Be sure to leave room for a few unforgettable memories because no one does fun like Carnival. Book your dream vacation at Carnival.com. Ships Registry, The Bahamas and Panama.
3: I'm Joel Cherico, and I make pottery. You can see my pottery on my website, cosmicmugs.com. Cosmic Mugs, art that lets you taste the universe every day. And I support Star Talk on Patreon. This is Star Talk with Neil deGrasse Tyson.
1: We're back. Star Talk Cosmic Queries. Michael Shermer, ancient saint of skeptics. Not only on Earth but across the universe. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure. And I, I, Michael is an atheist, so for me to call him patron saint of anything, oh. uh, so I mean, I mean that in a in a in a in a metaphorical sense, Michael. Mm. I don't mean to
3: uh, <laughs> I mess don't with
0: think, your head I don't think one. he's he be a patron by saint. It. <laughs>
1: <Right>. <laughs> so, Michael, the question was: uh, What are the three top uh, cognitive biases that would lead someone to think uh, conspiratorially? And we left off with the hindsight bias, which is particularly pernicious mm-hmm. right what, what else you have going there?
3: Well then also um, we we missed the events that didn't happen, so there's no conspiracy theories about Hinckley shooting Reagan because Reagan survived had he died, he very likely there would have very likely been you know conspiracy theories about who was really behind Hinkley. Uh, besides that, you know, mental illness, something like that. The third one, I'd say, proportionality bias. It is uh, we we want to proportion causes and effects. They should be roughly equal. If you take a little stone and. Here, some physics for you, uh, and you throw it. You know, a, a little bit. It doesn't go very far. If you throw it, you know, hard, it'll go much farther. So we think of cause and effects. You know, if I put a lot of effort. If you ask subjects to roll a dice and, and try to get a low number, they kind of throw the dice gently. And if you want them <laughs> get a high number, they really throw the
2: dice as if like really. Re- that oh, is yeah, great. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, my, it's, it's hilarious. God. So, That's really funny. So if oh a, if a big god. event they happens. Gently, if you gently drop the dice, <laughs> right.
3: oh my god, I'm going to get a one or a two.
2: No, I want a five or a mm. six, right? Uh,
3: so uh, in, in terms of conspiracy theories, if a big event happens, so Reagan survived, so okay, it wasn't that big of a, a thing, but uh, JFK didn't. So what's the cause of, of Kennedy's uh, death? It's got to be the most powerful person in the Western world. It's got to be something equal, right? So Lee Harvey Oswald is a lone nut with some psychopathy and whatever mental issues he had, that that, that doesn't feel right, right? So you got to add elements, you know. So the KGB and the FBI and the CIA, the Cubans and the Mafia and the Russians. So you're just
1: ra- you're just cranking it up, right, to like make it you, match, like right? the jack
3: of a car, right, right.
1: until it's
3: or, causes. Or, or, or if you think about the or, you know the Holocaust, the, the Holocaust one of the worst things that's ever happened in human history, committed by one of the worst political regimes of all time, the Nazis. That there's a kind of a cognitive balance there. Uh, or just take, say, 9-11, you know, you telling me 19 guys with box cutters managed to pull this off? This is the kind of thing you hear. No, it had to be something massively big because it was massively big. Or Princess Diana, you know, cause of death, drunk driving, speeding, no seatbelts, right? Tens of thousands of people die of, in automobile accidents for those three reasons, but princesses are not supposed to die by the same way that the rest of us hoy paloy right. die, right? So, you know, it had to be the royal family and Prince Charles and the, you know, right. the MI6 and, and,
2: and her, so on. Had her to brown, be her brown skin boyfriend, and right, yeah, <laughs> right, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh man, so proportionality. Chuck sure, had to go there. You I, have to go I, there come sure. on, you know that that's <laughs> big, that's still a big deal. Like everybody thinks still a that, thing,
1: still a thing. But so,
2: so Michael um we
1: we mentioned JFK mentioned 911 um is are there conspiracies like the mothers of all conspiracies that we can learn the best lessons from Ooh. so that we can then walk away and apply it to our thanksgiving dinner and any other conversations we we might encounter
3: well let's just take the the rigged election conspiracy theory you know when please y- you know, you and I, how would take I check? Please. In? Yes. <laughs> Were you being Henny Youngman there? Yes, Chuck? I was. <laughs> it was like, what's
2: take, what's take the rig election. I'm like, please. Yeah, please take, take it. Take it. Take it anywhere. Just exactly. take it. throw
3: it in the dumpster. Well, okay. So, first of all, you know, there's always election anomalies if you go and search for them. We call that anomaly hunting. And, uh, and and in other countries, there are rigged elections. I mean, the CIA famously was involved in rigging elections in South American countries in favor of fascist dictators over communist dictators because at least they'd be friendlier to U.S. Uh, yes. industrial interests, right. business interests, and so on. Our government did that, right? So it's not unusual for people, it's not unreasonable for people to be a little suspicious of that. And if you look in past elections, almost every time the, uh, every every losing party thinks that the other party was up Cheated. to something there were some shenanigans yeah. there in ohio or there was some quirky thing in iowa and so on so what, what, what's the take home here how do you know what to believe what's true what's justified true belief in the definition of knowledge well the justified part well how am i going to determine if I don't know what that van was doing at three in the morning when it pulled up behind that building in in Georgia somewhere, and there was a grainy video of this, and you can't quite make out what's going on, but it looks like they were bringing in boxes of votes. Maybe there was something to it. I wouldn't even know who to call, right? So I, uh, but but so you have to have some trust in institutions that do confirm these things, that do look into these things, right? So when Attorney General Bill Barr appointed by Trump himself and who is a lifelong Republican and who would be motivated to find some kind of fraud, couldn't find any and said, we didn't find anything. The election was totally legit. That should have been the end of the story when society is normally structured in a way where you trust institutions like that. But that's not the world we live in at the moment. Right. You know, people don't trust science like they used to, or the CDC, or scientists, or professors, and they certainly don't trust uh, politicians anymore. So, that that's a big problem for us now.
1: So, I, I want to actually save that for the third segment, because we want to know, we need some positive thoughts at the end of this. How how do we rebuild confidence in institutions? Uh, but I want to save that for the third segment. Chuck, why don't you give me another question?
2: Okay, let's go uh, to Rude van der Linden. Rude says, hello, Neil. Hello, Chuck. Hello, Michael. Rude from the Netherlands here. Uh, I've got a question. Scientific research after COVID indicated that people in countries where government trust was was high got vaccinated more often. If this is true for misinformation as well, does high distrust equate to more misinformation circulating or, you know, he's basically, well, like that. Is, is there a proliferation of misinformation uh, when the ground is fertilized by mistrust, basically is what he's saying.
3: Yeah, yeah. indeed it uh-huh. is, right? As the example I just gave, if you don't trust any voting institutions to run a, a legitimate election, no one's going to believe it. So I am worried about that for 2024.
1: And Chuck, what's hot- a common fertilizer? But, you know, Bull Bullshit. I'm, right. so, yeah, I'm sorry. I didn't
2: mean I said it. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's actually, you said fertilizer. I said fertilizer, right. Yeah. Um, however, I mean, that, that just begs the question then, um, why don't I believe, like if you're talking about an election, why don't I believe that it was rigged when my guy won if the whole thing is crap to begin with? So, if you don't trust the institutions, that means the institution of um, elections are uh, so I So, very important question. There. They're rotten, yeah.
1: and this is this is the. It's, I, I only complain about the umps when. Their, right when they know, call their, a, a strike against uh, my team, against my team, right? Yeah, right, that's called the
3: right. my side bias. It's certainly quite strong. We notice, uh, you. Yeah, know, Michael has names a right. lot <laughs> of these biases. Man, it is man. so
2: great to put, put names so, to this.
1: stuff uh, I wish I was that fluent, I man. Guess. That's a my you, side you, bias.
3: You cosmologists <laughs> and astrophysicists, you're not the only one to have cool names. <laughs> I know. <love.
1: laughs> so the I my, the my and every bias. sporting fan, yeah, the my side probably bias. can admit to my side bias even though they don't want to but okay.
3: but so what okay. normally happens though in, in previous elections is that after a while the losing side drops the conspiracy Conspiracy theory, and they start focusing on the next election. This is unusual. What we're going through now, where Trump has kept it alive, and and only because he still has some political pull in the GOP, uh, are in, is anybody saying that there's anything to it? We know from the January 6th hearings that n- none of the top people believed the rigged election. They they believed Barr when Barr said that there was nothing to it. Then that was it. But um, but it's yeah. But wouldn't the conspiracy be?
1: Bar has been bought out, or he's yeah. He, there is a conspiracy theory about that. Just to maintain the thought, you have to keep going at That's it, right. Conflicting that, data. That's right.
2: Yeah. All right. Well, this is Cicero Artifan and Cicero Artifon... What a name! Oh my Ad- gosh! Right. No, right? that's, that's the name of an artist
1: in the Louvre it, or something. Right, exactly. It's just like, uh, yes. That's not anybody's real name. Uh,
2: this afternoon, we shall be uh, surveying the works <laughs> of Cicero Artifon. Um Yes. Right. Um, <laughs> the, um, All right. The very first artist to take uh, cubism and Impressionism and put them together. Uh, <laughs> All right, here we that's go. A, a art. Art. <laughs> Isn't that great?
1: Right? Oh, oh, by the way, just a quick thing. I, have, I had an occasion to have a with Rob Reiner recently, a uh-huh. meathead from uh, All in the Family. Family. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, I don't know if he did this. We had an idea, it was, it was brilliant. He said he imagined that there's, he was going to make a movie where there's this big uh, institution with big columns on it and stairs that lead up to it. And it's just called They. <laughs> That's, that's
2: funny. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: And so so say, well, they say that right. really? And then you go in there and there's this is whole set of committees and the typewriters going away, and out comes a statement. They say <laughs> that what goes up must come down. And they, they, and that's it's a it's the place where they uh, communicate with the rest of us. That's, I thought that was a cute pretty idea. That's funny,
2: actually. That's I pretty like, funny. I yeah.
1: like it. Yeah. All right. Okay, so, so what else you got?
2: Cicero Artifan says, uh, Hi, uh, Dr. Tyson, hi, uh, Dr. Shermer, and hello, Lord Nice, Cicero from Toronto, Canada here. Um, What kind of questions should I make when I'm dealing with a situation that I would like to avoid being biased on an issue? So how do we we self-assess to make sure that we are not falling prey to all these wonderful biases that you have pointed out to us? Mm. Yeah, the mirror. Yeah, how do you... Because if I think, if like you said, Michael, if
1: you think you're rational, like you said, no one ever said, I'm going to my pseudoscience lab to find pseudoscience results so that I can be a pseudoscience. No one says that. Right. So how do you self-check? Yeah. That might be impossible at some level. Um,
3: well, it's not impossible because it does happen. We know that scientists are subject to all these same biases, but they can't let themselves get away with it because their colleagues will call them out on it, right? So you have to think... If I was reading my paper here or my research as a critic, what errors would I find? What mistakes of reasoning would I uh, see that I personally can't see? So you have to kind of mind read. You have to put yourself in somebody else's, a critic's shoes. Yeah, you also have to check your ego at the door. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Or, yeah,
2: Or just have my mother as your mother. Don't worry. She will tell you all the stuff that's you right. did wrong. And, <laughs> no, and right. every single place you failed.
1: <laughs> Chuck has continued his therapy sessions into Star Talk programming. (laughs) Yes, I have. So you
3: you have issues with your mother, Chuck. Okay, this is
1: interesting. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it's a whole other thing. Yeah, just don't 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 edge em on, Michael. Just oh, let, I'll tell you what you should right do, Chuck. Course. You
3: should go to the, your local Scientology uh, center and tell them this while you're holding the little cans doing the uh, the E meter oh, yeah, yeah, readings yeah. and <laughs> tell them about <laughs> your mother. It's, oh, they will they'll have a course for you to take. It's only ten thousand. I love it.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's only ten grand. Okay, that's a like, <laughs> yeah, yeah.
3: What a bargain. Okay, what a couple bargain. other questions you can ask yourself: like, what would it take to change my mind? Because almost nobody tries to kind of falsify their own beliefs. It's almost impossible to do. People find a pattern and then they find search evidence to fit it. Michael,
1: I'm in complete agreement with that. I've, I've attempted that in a few cases. And it really puts people back on their heels. Without you coming across as being aggressive, right? If you just say, and, and what they, they're quick to say, well, what would change your mind? Right. But I don't go into that question unless I have an entire litany of things that would change my mind. So there's and so, research
3: by a, a psychologist, uh, Peter Wasson. So this is one of the Wasson tests. So if you give subjects like um, a series of numbers, like two, four, six, what is the rule? So people go, I think the rule is probably increasing numbers by two even numbers. So then they'll go like, all right, 10, 12, 14. And the guy goes, yep, that's correct. Okay, 56, 58, 60. Yep, that's right. And then they'll go, well, that's it. That's the rule. And it's like, no, that's not the rule. And no one ever says like, well, 1, 7, 13. And, and the rule is something very simple, just increasing numbers. That's it. A se- sequence yeah. of, right? But no one tries to falsify mm. it. You know, they go, well, right. I think I figured it out. It's two, four, six. So it's increasing even numbers by two. That's the rule. Why didn't you ask some other sequence just to see if that would violate the rule? And so Watson's conclusion was, is we only try to confirm a h- hypotheses. It's It's very difficult to get people to try to falsify their hypotheses. And this is what you have to do.
1: Okay.
2: Wow, I, I like that. that I is, like that. That's yeah, tremendous. Yeah. I mean that yeah, and yeah. what a I mean, that's an exercise I don't think many people are going to want to engage in because one, it's 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 arduous. It's really tough on your on your own psyche. And and two. Right, Chuck. If I say, convince yourself that you're not funny, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, do that. And, I, yeah. and my response would be: uh, there are audiences all over the world who have done that for you. No. <laughs> 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 whether or not that's true, you'll come back to me and say, F you, too. Right, you know, exactly. and it's like it's, t- it's a right. tough, tough thing to do. Man. Okay. okay. Man, this, I gotta tell you, this is a great show. Everybody oh, in man. this country needs to be watching this show right okay. now. Uh-huh. All right, here we go. Uh, this is Alejandro Reynoso. <laughs> rich corinthian leather <laughs> no. and and let
1: me guess uh, remind, he, he's from monterey
2: he is from monterey mexico <laughs> okay and okay. he says hello he's a right re- oh. michael he's a regular on this. <laughs> oh, yes. so
1: we we okay. we got this like rehearsed at this point okay
2: hello so what do you have what should i say hola um <laughs> <laughs> He says this. So, How? Do you- and by the way, I'm assuming he's not offended by this, because he, not. Keeps, he writing keeps writing in. <laughs> so I mean, you know, I mean he's he asks some pretty decent questions too. So you know, so, anyway, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. he says, "How do you deal with a world that accepts so much pseudoscience and supernatural things, but then uh, denies real science?" um you know i mean I, I i don't i don't i don't know i i i don't know how, how do you explain that i don't know <laughs> wait, wait, so supernatural like, it, like superna- religions and okay things, yeah and so anything supernatural and- whether it's ghosts whether it's religions you know you can say you know uh, uh, uh bordering on extraterrestrials uh you know where there seems to be this willingness if not a willingness an almost eagerness to believe things that are mystical and magical, and oh, you know right, that are right. uh, you know fantastical. Right. You know, we found the remains of a dragon, but you know the, uh, when we unearthed it, it turned to dust. But we got this blurry picture of it right here. Right. See, it's a blurry See? picture. <laughs> See, uh, right, like you know, what what is it in us? Is there something in us that makes that like happen? When we come back, we'll try to give Michael
1: Shermer a chance to answer that question. <laughs> uh, we're gonna take our last break, and when we come back, uh, Michael Shermer, it would tell us about his his recent book, uh, a book that it sounds like like required reading for anyone who is a c- citizen of the world. How about that? How's that for a prerequisite? <laughs> I love it. <laughs> <laughs>
2: All
1: right, we'll be right back. Start talking
2: eBay Motors is here for the ride. You saw the potential.
1: We're back, Star Talk, Cosmic queries. We've got longtime friend and someone I deeply admire, Michael Shermer, who's, as I've said, the patron saint of skeptics on Earth and across the universe. And I've confirmed that, Michael. You can put that <laughs> okay. on your resume. I think <laughs> Of course, I got Chuck Knight, Chuck. Chuck, we can find you on social media. Yes, at, sir. Uh, Chuck. Nice comic. I'll, you're there. Yes, sir. And, Thank you. Thank you. And, and Michael, uh, what? Share with me briefly your social media footprint.
3: Oh well, on Twitter, Michael Shermer, and uh, MichaelShermer.com for my webpage, Skeptic.com for the magazine. Here's what the magazine looks like. Skeptic available in bookstores and it. yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Skeptic.com and so on. Yeah, that's it. That's right. It's 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 in in well stocked bookstores that have sort of periodicals in them you, you can find it there and i think barnes and nobles among them even so so we left off a, a, i think a very important question michael uh, there are people who just simply embrace mysteries and the unknown mm-hmm. and are you taking this away from them are you mm. are you just a curmudgeon mm. and 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 you're no fun <laughs> you know i want there to be dragons i want Uh, uh, I want the aliens to have come. I want all of this.
3: Mm -hmm. Why are you taking away my fantasies? Well, first of all, doesn't the truth still matter? I think so. And, you know, 500 years ago, everybody believed pretty much the entire world was ruled by demons and gods and angels and so forth and witches, and I call it the witch theory of causality. Everything was caused by witches of some sort or another, demons and so on. And, you know, diseases, accidents, storms, droughts, uh, Starvation—it it all had supernatural uh, explanations, and. We didn't lose anything by getting rid of all the, most of those. There's still mysteries to be solved. And here is where the mind fills in the gap with something. You know, the God of the gaps argument, it's God. Or in the case of conspiracies, if it's a big event, like no one has a conspiracy theory about the, the yearly flu epidemic that sweeps around the world, right? But if it's something huge like COVID-19 or, uh, you know, the AIDS epidemic, you know, for a while that was thought to be, you know, targeting the black communities or the gay communities you know by the CIA that kind of thing because of Tuskegee uh, and other, you know, kind of shenanigans the CIA was up to dosing American citizens with mind control drugs, as I mentioned. You know, if the CIA could do that, maybe they planted AIDS in inner city. But no one has conspiracy theories like that for, again, the flu or you know, antibiotics. Why are there no antibiotic skeptics like there are vaccine skeptics? Right? It just depends on the effects, and the bigger the effect, the more likely it is you're going to get some some kind of extra causal vector thrown in there a secret conspiracy a cabal a, you know it was the demons it was satan something like that so it's a it's a way it's a causal explanation you know we want we want explanations for things it's you know uncertainty is uncomfortable and you know, as, as discombobulating as it might be to think that there's 12 people called the Illuminati running the world and doing a crappy job of it, uh, it's even more discombobulating to think a that crappy job that, of it. <laughs> <laughs> it's even more disconcerting to think that nobody's running the world, nobody's in charge. It's just mostly chaos and complexity, emergent properties. Uh, you know, why why is inflation going up? Well, this guy says this, and this economist says that. Who knows? Right. It's, you know, it's like, what? You mean no one's running the show? It's just us? Yeah. Well, isn't that, I'm sure you have a
1: term for this, but because we have to blame somebody or something. Okay. What's your term for that?
3: (laughs) Well, (laughs) yeah. hmm, I don't think I have a term for that. The blame game. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. How about that? (laughs) Well, actually there is one, you know, so um, I call this agenticity or intentional, you know, the kind of hyper-agency detection. That is, we tend to see um, patterns, in random noise and infuse those patterns with agency. There's somebody behind the scenes making that happen, right? So much of the world operates randomly. There's just a lot of statistical randomness that explains things, but it's hard to see randomness. Right. So, you know, just take the stars in the sky. That's what randomness looks like. It looks like big dippers and little dippers and scorpions and fish and horses and things like that. Right. The patterns of randomness actually in our minds uh, look like things. So, if you get a random, uh, you know, cancer clusters, as they're called, you know, those are mostly just random. But people see the pattern of that somewhere. Or the example I like to use is when Steve Jobs first came out with the iPod, and they had the random shuffle feature where your music will I remember play that. randomly. And people complained to Apple saying, well, it's not random. Certain songs come up more than other songs. Right, like, right, That's right. randomness. You know, If every song <laughs> came up equally as, as well as every other song, you'd have to program that.
1: Right. So they changed. So, Michael, they changed that. So now random means randomly, but don't repeat a song until you get fully through the list. Oh. Th- th- it is ne- interesting. I- that option's not available. Interesting. I, I did not know that. It. Purely random is not there Right. Anymore. Wow. Right.
2: Wow. Right. Look at that. We are so stupid as a society that we forced. <laughs> Apple to change the definition of random so we can be comfortable listening to our stupid MP3 players. Jesus. Okay, never mind. <sighs> All right, Chuck, let's go lightning round here. This right, final segment. Round. See what we can here. slip in. This is on Internet Influence. This is Steve Murphy. Hi, Dr. Shermer, Dr. Tyson, Lord Nice. People can research a conspiracy online and probably find it. Uh find just as many articles that support the conspiracy conspiracy theory as the Should gatekeepers censor or flag media supporting false conspiracies? If not, if not, what what do
3: we do? Well, my lightning round quick answer is no, we shouldn't censor those ideas. Uh, and okay. uh, media companies can just tag them like they are with, you know, vaccine questions, vaccine articles that uh, doubt it. You know, here's here's a good article that supports vaccines or rigged elections. So, so the
1: gatekeeper so. is a gate tagger,
3: yeah. basically, at that I mean, point. Interesting. That's not censorship. I, yeah. That's just
2: in, more information is good more information i love, okay, it. Good, I good. love it i labeled love it labeled them mm-hmm. excellent frederick de camp says this hey i love this podcast i listen all the time my question is do you think that science denying people will lead us all to extinction <laughs> 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 i Michael, love it you can't
1: say Yes to that. You just have to say no, no. and we'll move on to the next no. question. next question,
3: please.
2: <laughs> All right. <laughs> I don't believe you believe that, Michael. <laughs> I know, right? right?
1: Part of me says he's packing up. Yeah, it... He's stockpiling food in his basement. <laughs> um,
0: just in so, case. So, so,
1: Michael, just to give a little seriousness to the question, uh, generally, in my public rhetoric, I say that I don't mind what people think anything. The problem comes about if such people rise to power— mm. Over laws, legislation, and and influence, governments in society. So, what do you do if if such a person gains a following and then they get elected and they do have such power?
3: Mm-hmm. Well, that's why you should vote, right? This is why we should have a voice in a democracy like that. That's all, really, all we can do and try to keep people like that out of power. Um, you know, in a free society, they can have a web, you know, they have their own podcast, or you know, like an Alex Jones type person. He's unlikely to, you know, be the uh, the lead anchor on ABC News, right? So, you know, there are those gatekeepers keep people like that out for a good reason, you know, they're not following the rules of rationality and fact-checking and editing that, you know, journalism has. So, or in politics, hopefully, but our political system is, you know, it's not perfect. So, those kind of people do occasionally get into positions of power, but not often. And as you know, much as it's uh, fun to uh, pound on Trump, you know he's not president anymore. Biden's in there. So, however bad you think it was, January sixth and so on, we still had a, a peaceful transfer of power, and things are still going along like they usually right. do. Right. Okay. Wow. For
1: okay. now.
2: For now, not, yes, right. well, right,
1: I'm
3: not
2: prophetic. <laughs> <laughs> right, all, right. all right, Chuck, keep All it right, here we go, what this else? is Connor Holm. Connor Holmes says, hi, Neil, hi, Michael, hi, Chuck. Um, I'm going to condense his question, sorry, Connor. Uh, is there any correlation between education and not believing in science? Uh, I've found that my undergraduate degree taught me how to determine a source's credibility, while my graduate degree taught me how to better understand the actual science and its significance. So Ooh. clearly he so what are the data show, Michael? Yeah. So like high school, there's a whole section in your book on this. So why
1: don't you just tell us where you went there?
3: Yeah, so education um, does attenuate belief in conspiracy theories and pseudoscience and things like that. Wait, attenuate but not is an much. SAT word? you. <laughs> okay. it, it, redu- it reduces the amount of superstitious <laughs> thank thinking. Thank you. Thank let's, you. Okay. Let's put it that way, uh, and, and other irrationalities, but not as much as you might think. Right. So, having a graduate degree is better than having a BA, and having a bachelor's degree is better than having just a high school diploma in terms of the kinds of things you would believe that turn out to be nonsense, uh, but not that significantly. As I mentioned, you know, smart people are also really good at rationalizing beliefs they hold for non-smart reasons, and you know, they're subject. Smart people are subject to the my side bias confirmation bias the hindsight bias and so on just like everybody else so it helps but it's not a uh, cure all okay okay and right. so
1: it, it's a, is there any understanding as to why it's not should we teach different things in school for example. To well, try in terms to of science education,
3: numbers. yes, of course, you, you know this, uh, Neil, that it's teaching how scientists think is probably is just as important as scientific of facts. Of course, yes, yes. You remember that study showing that you know, some significant percentage of Harvard grads couldn't explain why we have seasons. They thought right. it was how close the Earth is to the sun, right? Uh, right. How did they get through Harvard without knowing Yeah, it, it, like It's that?
1: probably online. It's It's a short educational video called A Private Universe. And it's a freshly minted Harvard graduates. They still have their robes on and they're asked, uh, you know, how do we have, why do we have the seasons? And they're up there saying, oh, well, because the Earth's orbit around the sun is not a perfect circle and sometimes we're closer and that's what makes it hotter. And there's a Harvard graduates and the title, A Private Universe is, in your own head, you create your own worldview and make everything fit into that worldview. And, and you will speak with confidence even not knowing that you're wrong simply because it fits your worldview. So thanks for remembering that, Michael. That was an important video made some few decades ago. Uh,
2: the takeaway here, people, Harvard, a waste of money. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> and just to be clear,
1: maybe this audience doesn't need it, but we have our seasons because of whether our axis is tilted, tilted. towards the sun right. or away, away from, from it. the sun. Because consider if we just, because what the Harvard graduates embarrassingly didn't think about was... If it was summer because we were closer, that means it would also be summer in the Southern Hemisphere. But it's not. They have the opposite run of seasons there. So they were not thinking this through. So right, that's $70,000 down the the
2: drain. I see we get a couple more questions in. Go. Okay, here we go. Scott W. Peterson uh, says, "Um, Dr. Shermer, to answer the book's subtitle, um, because they are not in fact Rational. No, this is my point for the whole show. Thank you. Thank you. He doesn't need to answer that. But just, let's keep going. <laughs> then he says, seriously, though, I was thinking the other day that people hold on to fantastic beliefs in the face of mountains of evidence. To the contrary, because they uh, do other to do otherwise would mean admitting that they are wrong. Maybe they're too embarrassed, ashamed, or something else. So is there a psychology behind this that says, hey, look, man, I, I got to stick with this game. I got to see this hand through. I already bluffed my way this far. And now I got to go You're all in. It's a poker game. That's right. Interesting. Yeah. I bluffed my way in. I bluffed in. my way I in. Can't... Now I can't back out. I got to. I got to go all in.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm, right. That would be an example of loss aversion. You know where we are afraid to give up on something. Uh, that we're too committed to because we've already lost things, um, uh, and so you kind of chase after you know bad money or stay in a bad marriage or stay in a, a, a losing uh, business or hold on to losing stocks because you know we're already in. So in terms of beliefs, the more committed somebody is. To their religious belief or their political position or whatever it is, the harder it's going to be for them to give it up. So, if you confront somebody, say at the dinner table at Thanksgiving, and you know, and they they bring up climate change or vaccines or whatever conspiracy theory they're into, you know, you can't just say you're an idiot. First of all, you can't just say you're an idiot to believe this, right? Because then the they're not even going to be listening to Uh-oh. you anymore. <laughs> <Now> I'm in <laughs> right? trouble. But. Uh, but you have to make sure that when you're countering their beliefs with uh, facts that go against them, that that they don't feel like they have to give up their whole worldview. Like the example I use, if you give choice, people a choice between Darwin and Jesus, and they're Christian, they're not picking Darwin, right? He's not gonna, you're not gonna give them everlasting life. So you have to take that off the table uh, and just talk about evolution as a science. And here's the evidence, maybe this is God's way of creating diversity of life and so on. And by the way, Michael, uh, or,
1: just, I wanna say so everyone knows, um, that's a very important component of your book, how the sensitivity that you need and should have when you're having those conversations. Otherwise, it's po- you're, you're adding to the polarization. So you, I, yeah. I thought you covered yeah. that very well in the book.
3: Thank you. Mm. All right. Yeah, yeah listen, listen respectfully, nod, ask questions. Right, you know,
1: right. He's got, he's got a whole uh, set of rules how, to, how, you, how you do that, which everyone should read before Thanksgiving. Definitely. Oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> right. Actually, we did uh-huh. after
2: Thanksgiving, because I love that argument at the table. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> all right, here we go. This is the artist formerly known as James Smith. Uh, he says, hello, all. This is James from Indianapolis here. So, Dr. Shermer, what do you have to say to those flat earthers out there? Do you think that people just follow the skeptic train right down the skeptic hole of misinformation? Is there such a thing as... Ms. Skepticism? In other words, are people sometimes skeptics to a fault? Thank you, have a great day.
3: I mean, you have to believe you have to believe things just to get out of bed, and get out the door. You know that the, the <laughs> society's going to function, my car is going to start, the money's still in the bank. You know we make assumptions about the world that uh, otherwise you couldn't function, and and we do that for the most part. I think with science, you know, we, most people accept most of what scientists tell them without themselves knowing much about it. It's only when it bumps up against again, like a religious belief. Oh, I don't know about that evolution thing because do I have to be an atheist to accept evolution? Because I don't want to be an atheist. You know something. Like like that or you know if you're talking to a climate uh denier or climate skeptic you know i find myself usually all of a sudden we're talking about free market capitalism and the american way of life and it's like how did we get from co2 gases to capitalism Mm -hmm. because that's what they're really concerned about right if this is true then do i have to give up this other stuff i believe absolutely oh man that's just
2: great
1: very simple
2: okay
3: I like that. This I like show. that. Guys, I think we're out of
1: time. Oh, Damn. this
2: show is so good. It can't be out of time. Damn,
1: I can't be out of time. Oh, no. We'll <laughs> leave we more. We'll. I guess. No, you could buy his book. Buy the
2: man's book. I, well, I mean, okay. that is a, that's a no brainer. And everybody who okay. hears this better go get this book.
1: I mean, so, the conspiracy and the subtitle Why Rational People Believe the Irrational. Did I get that right? Why?
3: Here it is. Why the Rational Believe the Irrational. Yeah, rational. <laughs> right.
1: All right, guys. Michael, it's been a delight to have you back on. All right, boys. <laughs> and, uh, thanks for thinking of <laughs> nice us on this book again. tour, and uh, and the publisher is, oh, Johns Hopkins University Press. Woo! Johns Hopkins University Press. Good one. Uh, all right, guys. Let's let's uh, hope for a, a a more skeptical future so that civilization can survive itself, where where we all have doubts, and uh, but with folks like Michael Shermer running around, maybe there's some hope. Uh, I would say, Mike, always good to have you, uh, Chuck. Always good to have you too, dude. Always a pleasure, man. All right, Neil deGrasse Tyson here for Star Talk Cosmic Queries. As always, keep looking.